Well, hello and welcome to Centerpoint Church Online. My name is John Hansen. I am lead pastor of Centerpoint Church and I'm so glad that you have joined me for this service, this first weekend of 2020. As we're gathering together today, you know, the first thing I want to say is thank you to all of you who give generously your tithes and offerings to support the work of God through Centerpoint Church. And it, it's right for us to take a moment and just pray over the offerings that we've given to the Lord. And if you've not yet begun to give in your tithes and offerings, I want to invite you to do that today. You can give easily by going to mycenterpoint.tv and just clicking on give. But let's get the new year started right, including by bringing to the Lord our tithes and our offerings. And also I want you to know that we are going to be celebrating communion together after the message today. So go ahead and get your communion elements ready if you haven't done so already so that we can have communion together at the end of the message. So I'd like us to just take a moment and, and pray together uh, before we get into the Word of God and even pray over our tithes and offerings that we've already given or are even giving now. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for everything you've given us. And thank you, Lord, that if we're able to give an offering and, and click through or send in an offering, it's because, God, you've given to us first. You've provided for us. So thank you for your provision, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would bless the tithes and the offerings that we've given and that you'd use what we give for your glory, God, to further and advance the mission of your church. And so we praise you, God, for your goodness in our lives. And we ask you to speak to us in this moment of receiving your word in Jesus' name. And why don't you all say it together out loud right where you are. Say it with me. Amen. 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 Well, I'm glad again that we could be together for, for this, uh, this weekend service. And, you know, the other day I was in my kitchen putting some dishes away and uh, my daughter was there and she just asked me a, a silly little question. She said, hey, Dad, do you believe that, uh, that there's uh, life uh, outside of planet Earth? Do you believe there's uh, alien life or, or a life out there somewhere? And I said, well, you know, probably not in the sense that you're asking me. I said, yeah, there's, there's probably life out there in the form of maybe a, a bacteria or some kind of a microscopic organism you know, somewhere out in space or uh, on, on one of the other planets. That's a possibility. But she said, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Do you believe there's intelligent life out there, like aliens? And I said, my answer to that question is a solid categorical no. <laughs> because I hate to burst your bubble, but I think if God wanted us to, uh, to know about something that important, he would have said something about it in his word. And she said, well, hey, but what about, you know, what about the repeating radio signals, the signals that come from outer space? And, and what about the UFO sightings that, uh, that have come up even in the news recently? And I sort of burst the bubble again. I said, you know, first of all, the, the repeating radio signals from deep space are probably just uh, radiation from a decaying star somewhere. And the UFO or so-called UFO sightings are most likely... Uh, just, you know, intelligence drones that are being uh, worked on without reporting because it's uh, secret, something like that. I mean, I just rained on all the parades and burst all the bubbles right there in that moment. She just looked at me and said, Dad, you know, I'm no fun, right? I'm no fun. But I, I do want to share with you that signs of life matter. They're, the question my daughter was asking me is, aren't there signs of life out there in the world? And my answer was with regards to the signs of life she was asking about was no. 
But I do want you to know that there are signs of life, signs of a, of a legitimate, authentic, healthy, spiritual life that can be observed. And they are revealed to us in the scriptures and in particular in the book of Colossians. And so I want you to grab a Bible. I'm starting a new series right now. It is called Supreme Overall. And we're going to be going through the book of Colossians together for the first couple months of this new year. So if you've never uh, gone through an entire book of the Bible before and studied through it, You've got an opportunity. Make the most of it. Get your Bible. Get ready to take some notes. Get ready to ask God to take you deeper into an experience of the one who is supreme over all. And his name is Jesus. The scriptures in Colossians reveal that Jesus Christ is supreme over all. And what I want for us to do is to learn how to experience more of that reality in our lives. The reality of our lives lived fully yielded to the one who is supreme over all. Now, if you've been a believer for a while, then I'm asking you to step back up to the plate and to live your life yielded fully to the one who is supreme over all. And if this is new for you, man, what a great chance, what a great opportunity to dive into this one book of the Bible, something maybe you've never done before, and to learn how to live your life yielded fully to the one who is supreme overall. Okay, so you got your Bible and you're going to flip open to about that far in in the New Testament to Colossians. Now let me give you a little bit of the backdrop to Colossians before we uh, dive in. So Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul and together with uh, Timothy, his assistant. It's written in uh, give or take the year 60, maybe 62 AD, and it's written by Paul and Timothy from where Paul is as a prisoner in Rome. Paul is the apostle, the guy who had gone throughout the Middle East and the Roman Empire telling people about Jesus, helping people discover his mercy, his grace, the gift of salvation, and then starting churches everywhere he went. One of the churches Paul started was in Ephesus, that's modern day Turkey. And the church in Ephesus sent out a team of people to start another church in another city in modern day Turkey called Colossae. And that group of believers there in Colossae are the ones to whom Paul was writing this letter called Colossians. It's a letter. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit to a particular group of believers in a particular place. But because it's inspired by God's Spirit, it is applicable to you and me today, just as much as it was applicable to those early believers in Colossae. So what was happening is uh, there was a, a lot of communication back and forth by way of people that came with, with an update. And in this case, it was a guy named Epaphras that came back to Rome to Paul and Timothy to bring an update about what was going on in the different churches. And that's how Paul knew what was happening in this church in Colossae. And it had some great things going on, had some problems that needed to be dealt with. And that's what this letter is about. So you got to picture Paul and Timothy there in Rome on house arrest, because that's the kind of imprisonment that he was experiencing. And he hears about the stuff going on in the church in Colossae from Epaphras. And then Paul and Timothy, maybe Epaphras too, they're just praying together. And they, they're praying together over all of the things going on with the churches. And, and then it happens. They get this sense of prophetic stirring as they're praying. And they know it is time to write. They have that, that sense 
of Holy Spirit moving with a particular word for this group of believers. And so Paul says, Timothy, get the, get the, get the writing implements. It's time to start writing what Holy Spirit is saying. At least that's how I imagine this moment might have happened. And with all of that in mind, let's just jump in together to Colossians chapter 1. And here's what it says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our Father, give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope, what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Ever since you first heard this truth of the good news. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that there are signs of life that can be observed, signs of a legitimate, authentic, healthy spiritual life that can be observed. But they all stem from the good news, the gospel, the glorious truth that God sent his one and only son for each one of us as a demonstration of his love. And that when we would turn to Jesus and receive his gift of what he did when he offered his life on the cross, we could be changed forever. The good news is about the mercy of God and receiving that mercy of God and being changed by that mercy of God forever. The gospel changes you and me. That's what the good news does. It changes us from the inside out. And so the main idea of my message today is just simply this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. I want you to let it simmer in your heart. The main idea is this. My life is changed and changing because of the gospel. My life is changed and changing because of the gospel. Now, I want you to say that phrase with me one time and just say it out loud right where you are. Say it. Ready? My life is changed and changing because of the gospel. Just say it one more time. My life is changed and changing because of the gospel. Now, I'm making it a declaration because sometimes I need to remind my innermost being of what is totally and fundamentally eternally true. And that is that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, my life is changed and changing. You know, I do have a, a diploma, college diploma, a bachelor's degree that is hanging on my wall, printed on, on paper. You know, sometimes I'll have a conversation with someone and they'll say, oh, you got a college degree? Uh, so what? It's just a piece of paper. <laughs> Maybe you've heard a phrase like that before. But when I hear that phrase, ah, it's just a piece of paper, I think to myself, oh, no, 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 it's way more than that. Yes, the diploma is printed on a piece of paper, but the experience of the college degree Whoa, way more than a piece of paper. I mean, when I think about it, I went to Rutgers University in New Jersey, and for four years of my life, I was engaged in a deep dive process in learning, in learning how to think. I was shaped by countless hundreds of hours of lectures and hundreds and hundreds of papers and essays and thesis statements and countless hundreds of hours in computer labs and in 
in, in meetings with professors and student groups and study halls. And in addition to all of that, I was volunteering. I volunteered at Rutgers and learned how to volunteer with uh, autistic students. And I volunteered with the homeless. I, I com did community service. I engaged in uh, student groups on campus. I formed friendships with people that I'd never met before that were totally unlike others that I had known before. And some of those friendships last, last even to this day. I could go on and on. But all of that experience, it made an Im indelible imprint on me. And it transformed me, it changed me, it changed how I think, changed how I interact with the world, changed my perceptions and my capacities. And so that experience fully changed me. But the reason it changed me so much was because I gave myself fully to the experience. I want you to know this. The gospel is meant to be something that you give yourself fully over to. The good news is meant to be something, not that you just hear one time and do a quick check the box agreement to, but that instead the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is something that you, you give yourself fully to, that you yield yourself fully to the one who is supreme over all and his good news and it changes you to the degree that you would give yourself over to a life yielded to Jesus and his good news, to that degree you will be transformed and that is what God wants for each one of us. That we would be able to say, my life is changed and changing because of the gospel. And we read through it kind of quickly, but there are actually three signs of changed life that we just saw in Colossians chapter one. Now I mentioned that, uh, that we could look to signs of of life, but I want you to know the title of my message today is Signs of Changed Life, because that is what Jesus has for each one of us. It's an opportunity for our lives to be totally changed. And so the three signs of changed life are there in the words of Scripture, and I want us to see this together. In Colossians 1 4, it said, We have heard of your faith in Christ and your love for all of God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Did you catch them? Those are the three initial factors of changed life, three signs of changed life. Those three factors are meant to be visible in all of God's people. And what's happening here in Colossians is the Apostle Paul and Timothy, Timothy are saying, hey, you believers in Colossae, we've heard about you. And we've heard that the signs of changed life are, are visible in you. The faith in Christ is alive in you. The love for all of God's people is alive in you. And that hope of heaven, it's alive in you. My question is, are those things visible and alive in your life? Because they're meant to be. If I'm making this declaration that my life is changed and changing because of the gospel, then these three factors are meant to be visible in me. First and foremost, I've got a faith in Christ alone for salvation. And what that means is I am done trying to earn any right standing with God. I'm done with thinking that it's my morality that earns me right standing with God. That I have faith in Christ alone that is the basis of my experience of and hope of salvation. And I've also got love for all of God's people. I've got love for all of God's people. 
I might recognize that some of God's people are hard to deal with sometimes, but I move beyond that in forgiveness and peace and form relationships and friendships and give time in my life for fellowship because I have love for all of God's people. I respond to the needs of God's people. I give generously when I can to see the body of Christ thrive and grow. And I spend time loving on God's people. Love for God's people is a sign of changed life. And I have that hope of heaven. Come on, would you just say that phrase with me? Hope of heaven. Say it. Hope of heaven. And what that means is I recognize that I'm not living just for this life. And I know, I know, at the start of a new year, many people are talking about, hey, this is the time to set my goals for all that I'm going to get, all that I'm going to accomplish, all that I'm going to make happen. And, and that's wonderful. There is a place for that. But as I demonstrate signs of a changed life, I recognize it's not just about here and now. There's an eternal hope that I've been given the opportunity to hold on to. And I have a home for all eternity in heaven, and that really matters to me. And so, when it comes time to make an offering, I do give generously because I know that I'm storing up treasures in heaven. When I have troubles here on planet Earth, I take some comfort in knowing that they're temporary and that they're laying up for me, in a sense, a weight of glory. And I have a home in heaven that I get to anticipate spending all eternity in. I have an eternal body which is glorified, free of every kind of vestige of disease and illness. And that gives me comfort and hope. I am changed and changing because of the gospel. And those three signs of a changed life are hopefully visible and growing in their visibility in my life more and more. I want to just take you a little bit further into Colossians 1. And so Colossians 1 in uh, verse 6, it said, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard about it and understood the truth of God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He's told us about the love for others that Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. You'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. I love the hopeful resolve of those last few words. You'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. I love those words because they evoke a sense of expectation, don't they? You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. There's a sense of expectation. And it's not an expectation that you will have arrived and somehow become perfect. But instead, it evokes a sense of expectation that it's okay that I haven't arrived yet. It evokes a sense of expectation that there's lots of room for me to keep on learning that there's lots of room for me to keep making improvement, that there's lots of room for me to 
continue on towards what is better and better. I'm grateful for that sense of expectation for progress that's in those words inspired by Holy Spirit because it allows me to make this declaration. My life is changed and changing because of the gospel. I've got a resolve inside of me that there's room for me to keep growing and a Holy Spirit birth expectation that it can actually happen. I want you to just embrace that today. You're not stuck. You're not going to stay the way you are. You're going to keep growing and keep learning and keep improving and keep making progress because that is what God has for you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, hey, just in case you didn't catch last weekend's message, uh, I want to share with you that uh, I am bringing you this message from my home, from my living room, because I actually was diagnosed with COVID-19 uh, right before Christmas. And I'll tell you what, it's no fun having COVID, it really. I, I thank God that for the most part, my symptoms have been uh, moderate. Uh, I've been dealing with some fatigue and ache and fever and headaches and and uh, some nausea, those kind of things. But the worst symptom that I have been enduring is the utter and total loss of taste and smell. I had heard other people talk about it, but now I'm living with the reality of it. And man, it stinks. It stinks to lose your taste and your, your smell, especially at Christmas time. <laughs> I mean, what that means is that for me, I mean, the nice, wonderful scent of, of pine from a Christmas tree? Nope. Uh, the wonderful smell and aroma and taste of cinnamon with the sm uh, fresh cinnamon rolls that my wife made on Christmas morning? Nope. Not a bit. Oh, the wonderful taste of ginger from the gingerbread cookies? Nope. <laughs> you, know, I, you know what's tragic for me is I could be drinking gas station coffee in the morning and I wouldn't even know the difference. That is tragic. <laughs> but you know what's also tragic? What's tragic is for there to be someone who is a believer in Jesus, who's received the gift of salvation, but who isn't growing. It's tragic because it's just out of keeping with what the scripture has revealed. And God, God's desire is for us to keep on growing, keep on learning. And we get to keep on growing and keep on learning. We get to make that declaration. My life is changed and changing because of the gospel. But there are three particular ways that we are meant to experience that continual progress that God has in mind for us. And I want to draw your attention to those. It's in Colossians 1 verses 9 and 10. This is what it says. It says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Did you catch it? There's something that God has for each one of us that we are meant to experience. That we are meant to experience complete knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. These three factors are directly tied to 
living out the last statement in verse 10. Then the way you live will honor, will always honor and please the Lord. Who you are in Christ, if you've put your trust in Jesus, who you are always pleases the Lord. Just simply because you're made in his image. You're a beloved daughter or son of the Most High, redeemed in Christ Jesus, and because of that, who you are always pleases the Lord. But the way you live doesn't always necessarily please the Lord. This is an important distinction to understand, and it's important to embrace this reality. I'll put it like this. As a father, uh, my children are people who are always pleasing to me, no matter what, just simply because they're my kids. They're my son, my sons or my daughter. And so who they are is always pleasing to me. But the way they live may not always be pleasing to me. Anyone who's a parent can relate to this dynamic. But on the other hand, there are also moments when I see the ways that my kids are living and it really pleases me. Like for example, uh, my son Toby has been working three jobs uh, to put himself through college. Uh, shameless plug, please stop by uh, Primos on Cal Oak sometime and, and give the kid a tip. <laughs> but when I, when I see that my own son is working three jobs to put himself through college, that, that's pleasing to me. And I, I'll never forget the moment when he sent me a text uh, a few months ago of a screenshot of when he paid his own tuition bill at Cal State San Marcos, $3,700 that he paid in full from his own account. And, and I saw that and I recognized what it, what it meant in terms of countless hours of working three different jobs, four different jobs really, and saving up that money and paying that bill all on his own. I was so pleased with the way he was living. And in that case, I'm pleased with who he is, but I'm also pleased with the way he was living. Now, I think it's important for you and I to understand that we have an opportunity to live our lives, spiritually speaking, in such a way that it's true. We can say, I'm changed and changing because of the gospel. And that what that would lead to is alignment between who we are and the way we live our lives. This is what God wants for you and me, for there to be alignment between who we are as beloved children of God, redeemed, called by his name, and the way we live our lives, and that we would live our lives in ways that are, in fact, pleasing to the Lord. But maybe we would need to acknowledge ways in which there could be some misalignment, some dissonance between being those who are pleasing to the Lord because of who we are, but maybe needing to make some adjustments in the way we live our lives so that that would also be always honoring and pleasing to the Lord. In verse 11, why don't you take a look at that? Uh, sorry, not, not verse 11, verse 9 and 10 one more time. It says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. These three factors lead to that alignment that I mentioned. 
So what we're looking for is to grow in complete knowledge of the will of God and to grow in spiritual understanding and, uh, sorry, spiritual wisdom and to grow in understanding. These things are, are what we are meant to grow in and there's no real shortcut for these. To grow in in knowing the will of God. We have to be people who are spending time reading the scriptures, understanding what God reveals in his word. To, to have the spiritual wisdom, we have to be people who are growing and lingering in God's presence, getting to know his voice, listening to what he says, walking in closeness with him, making our decisions in conversation and fellowship with our God. We need to be people who are growing in, in worship and adoration of God because it is in that encounter with him that we're infused with his heart and his perspective and his design and his desires for us. And understanding that comes through being in fellowship with God's people that we can process things with and hear insight from all of these matter and there isn't a shortcut for them. But this is what we're invited to grow in. Now, I want to keep reading here in Colossians 1 verse 11. It says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have endurance and patience, all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to, to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Do you know what we're reading right here? We are reading the recorded prayers of Paul and Timothy as inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's like as though Holy Spirit said, Paul and Timothy and Epaphras, if you're there, it's time for a prayer meeting. And it's like as though Holy Spirit said, here's what you guys got to pray for. Let me just tell you. I mean, because this is the inspired word of God. Holy Spirit inspired these words and even the prayer that's recorded in this moment. I'm grateful for these prayers, aren't you? It said, I pray, I look at it again in verse 11. We pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need and you'd be filled with joy. <laughs> Always thanking the Father. If the last year has taught me anything, it's that I'm going to need endurance and patience. And I'm just grateful that there's a way to have that in full supply. But it comes from what Holy Spirit has prayed for is, is that I would be strengthened with all his glorious power. Mm. <laughs> you know, a few years ago, a friend said, hey, I have, a, I have something for you. I want you to borrow my car for the weekend. And he let me borrow his car. It's a 911, uh, a Porsche 911. And uh, this is my dream car. I mean, if it were okay for pastors to have a, a nice car and, <laughs> and not be misjudged for it, that would be the one I would have. Oh, and by the way, if I happen to have $100,000 sitting around. <laughs> I don't, so I'll have to cherish and relish the memory that I'm about to share with you. But anyway, he said, I want you to borrow my Porsche 911 for the weekend. I couldn't believe it. I got to zip all around town in a Porsche 911 all weekend long. It was amazing. I had such a good time. I mean, I put my, uh, my shades on and, and revved that engine and just enjoyed every moment of it. 
And when I got home, I parked that car in the driveway and I must have just walked around it uh, five or six times just looking at that thing. Couldn't believe I had a Porsche 911 par parked in my driveway and, and uh, I was taking selfies in front of it. I had my kids out there. We're taking family pictures in front of it, uh, capturing our, our uh, house in the background. And, uh, and then at night, man, you know what? We had one spot in the garage and guess whose car it wasn't there? Our own family car was not there because that 911 was spending the night in the garage. <laughs> That night, I remember going out into the garage and just uh, sitting inside of that 911 in my garage, just basking in the smell of the leather and the feel of the steering wheel and just, just so grateful for it. But I'll tell you what, the next day I had to go uh, fill up the gas tank because I had been tooling around town quite a bit in this vehicle. When I got to the gas station, I mean, normally I'd just get the cheap stuff. But that day, I picked the 93 octane gas because this is a Porsche 911, baby. It deserves the good stuff. And so I'd never put you know, 93 octane in anything before. But that day, I put the best in that car. And you know what? In a sense, when the scripture here says, we pray that you would be strengthened with all his glorious power. It's kind of like the 93 octane good stuff is being prayed for, that we would be filled with the great, the greatness of all that God has to offer on the inside for you and us, that you and I, that there's something glorious available for us, the, the glorious power of God. It's the 93 octane good stuff, and I pray that you would have it. I pray I would have it, and there may be moments where I'm going to need it more than I could even know. And so I'm saying yes and amen to this that the Holy Spirit has prayed for, for you and me, the 93 octane goodness of his glory and power. Verse 13 says this, it says, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I'm changed and changing because of the gospel. I mean, that last statement that we just read, it is the, the, such a beautiful summary statement of what has been accomplished by the gospel. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I don't live in the darkness anymore. I don't live under the devil's power anymore. I don't live under the guilt and shame of sin anymore. I don't live under the threat of eternal torment of hell anymore. I live forgiven because I live in the kingdom of God. I've been transferred there. I didn't bring myself there. He brought me there. And so I am safely sustained there because I'm there by his gracious hand. Right now, would you just say, thank you, God, for transferring me into the kingdom of your son. Just say it. Thank you, God, for transferring me into the kingdom of your son. And make the declaration one more time. I am changed and changing because of the gospel. Now, I want you to take some time to pray with me. We're going to have communion together. So you can get your communion elements ready. And then we're going to worship together. 
But I want you to pray with me. Before we, before we take communion, would you just pray with me that God would do some spiritual awakening for each and every one of us. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. And right now I pray that you would make your word just alive like a fire inside of our hearts. And I pray in particular for somebody right now who just stumbled upon or got the link to this uh, online church service and that right now, Lord, that you would do a spiritual awakening, that someone right now would literally feel like a tap on the shoulder, a buzz in the heart. And if that's something you're experiencing right now, it's the Holy Spirit just waking you up. And if you've never said yes to Jesus and said, Jesus Christ, I put my trust in you. I'm asking you to forgive my sins and save my life. Would you do it now? Would you just pray with me and say this, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And just say this to him. Say, Jesus Christ, I turn from my sins. I repent and I ask you to forgive my sins and save my life. Just ask him to forgive you and save you. And just say to him, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm yours. You're my Lord and my Savior from this moment on. Thank you for this gift of new life. I receive it now. Help me to live in it. In Jesus' name. And everybody together say with me, amen. 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 All right, we're going to take communion together. So hopefully you've got your communion elements. I've got mine. And I want you to just think about the cross. Think about the cross of Jesus Christ where he offered up his life for you. Think about his body being broken for you. And remember the words that Jesus said. He said, this is my body given for you. And whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he broke it. And so take that, take that broken bread. And right now, would you just let that be unto you prophetically, the body of Christ, the body of Jesus broken for you. Eat it now and remember him. Now I want you to take the cup and remember the cross of Jesus Christ and his nail-pierced hands, the blood that he shed. He shed so that you could be covered by his mercy. The blood that he shed makes it possible for you to be totally and completely forgiven because his body was broken and his blood was shed as a perfect sacrifice in your place. And so right now I want you to just say to him, Jesus, thank you for your body broken for me and your blood shed for me. Just say it with me. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for me and your blood shed for me. Now, before you drink this, would you just think of, of any, any bitterness in your heart, any heaviness, any brokenness of spirit or soul that you're carrying around, any disease in your body, any sickness you're battling, and I want you to just see all of that sent to the cross, nailed there with Jesus, paid for by his body broken for you. And I want you to just say, Jesus, I believe that there's healing for me through the cross. Jesus, I believe that there's healing for me through your broken body and poured out blood. And I drink this cup now, remembering the price you paid for me. 
and I'm grateful. Drink it and remember Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this moment we've had together, a moment of communion, a moment of being in your presence, a moment of taking in your word. God, I pray that together we'd be able to live out what we've read today. And Lord, together we pray that in the coming weeks that we would see justice and peace in our nation. God, we're praying that we would see love and the power of God flowing in our families and in our lives. Lord, we pray that in 2021, we would be followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus Christ, who are learning more and more to live fully yielded to the one who is supreme over all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Make sure you leave a comment and let someone know today that you were here and maybe even Pray for the prayer requests that you've seen others put into the comments. God bless you, church. Let's worship together.